Today is the first in the Advent Sermon series entitled, Looking for Christmas. The title of this sermon is, A View from Below. Today's sermon is the first in our four Advent Sermon series, and many Christians may be unfamiliar with this calendar year of the church. There may be some confusion around the meaning of the Advent season. Some people may know that the Advent season focuses on expectation and anticipation of Christ's birth in the season leading up to Christmas. This is part of the story, but it's not the whole story of Advent. The word Advent is derived from the Latin word Adventus, meaning coming towards, which is a translation of the Greek word parousia. The season of Advent lasts for four Sundays leading up to Christmas. At that time, the new Christian year begins with the 12-day celebration of Christmastide. Advent begins on the Sunday that falls between November 27th and December 3rd. So guess what? This is the first Sunday of Advent. Timing is perfect. It will continue. The sermon series will continue, and the last one will be given on December 22nd. Now, this sermon and the three that follow have a different theme than is usual for Advent sermons. These sermons will challenge us to be open to seeing and experiencing something new. Something new this Christmas. We all have experienced, some of us for our entire lives, the Christmas story involving Mary, Joseph, angels, wise men, a star, various sundry animals, shepherds, and of course, the baby Jesus. However, instead of the usual sermons about one or all of them, we will take a different view of Christmas, literally a different view of Christmas. Today I will talk about the need to expand our horizons and to see through the lens of what we call Christmas, what God has done in our world and within us. A good place to start that journey is with our first scriptural reading from today. It is so dramatic and so fundamentally meaningful for the rest of the Bible, it is worth Repeating. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, morning, the first day. And God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters 
that were above the dome. And it was so. God called the dome sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. Now, a first reading of this passage may evoke the words, say what, why, how, when? But a deeper look at how the ancient Israelites understood the division of the sky and the land is a starting point to answer those questions. Now, us modern folk think of the earth as a globe spinning around the sun in the vastness of space. But in the ancient world, the Israelites included, people saw things much differently. All throughout the Bible, we find the common ancient view that the cosmos was a three-tiered order consisting of three distinct realms stacked on top of one another. The skies, or the heavens above, called the firmament. The land, surrounded by water, and the waters below the land. Those are the three. The earth was a flat, disc-shaped piece of land, floating on deep cosmic waters. That was explained by the fact that if you dig a hole deep enough just about anywhere on the earth, you're going to hit water. Those waters were called the deep, and so they believed the land must be suspended or floating above the deep by pillars. Maybe you've heard the phrase, pillars of the earth. This is where it comes from. The land... Surrounded by waters is where humans and land animals live. And the waters around the land was the sea, where all sea creatures live. Ancient Israelites also observed that the sky was a dome shape above the flat earth, and that the sun, the moon, and the stars were embedded into the dome. Above the sky, was more water, which the dome typically held back, but not always, which explained rainy days. The water got through. To use the words of today's sermon title, in a view from below, from the earth, those of the ancient world saw the sky and believed it was the floor of heaven which they saw also as God's throne, where God resided. It was primarily on the basis of this location high above them that the ancients believed that God could never be fully understood or experienced. Remember, it would not be until the 6th century B.C. that Pythagoras would first suggest a round earth. And in the 16th century A.D., when it would be demonstrated through circumnavigation of the earth. Now, this doesn't mean the Genesis story of creation is wrong. It just means that its purpose isn't to offer a scientific explanation of the creation of the world. I believe what the authors were trying to do is reshape our view of God and why he made this strange and wonderful world 
with us as a part of it. Now, whether you believe that God actually acted in the way that is told in the Genesis story, or that that story is simply a myth because there was no one there to witness it, that's irrelevant. What is relevant is that God did and certainly can act in ways that influence the earth and all that live upon it, including you and me. What a dramatic portrayal of God's power. What a dramatic demonstration of what can come from that power. The creation of the earth and all that lives upon it. You and me. Now, the key phrase from the creation story in Genesis is at its beginning. A wind from God swept over the face of the waters. In many biblical texts and according to many biblical scholars, it is stated that instead of a wind, it was God's spirit that spread over the waters. Simply stated, in our text from Genesis are very dramatic events that are dramatic in their consequences that show not only God, but God's spirit was active in the creation of the earth and all that lies upon it. An event that to me is equal or even greater than the creation event is that which is described in our second reading from today one with which we are all so familiar. In this scripture, the events leading up to the birth of Jesus are described. Once again, the power of God and God's Spirit is described in two phrases. She was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Before we go any further, whether or not you believe in the event of the virgin birth, or you do not, once again, is irrelevant. What is clear from the story is that the Spirit of God came to reside in the midst of human beings. The amazing thing about the story of the birth of Jesus is that the same Spirit of God that created the universe is now within a human being that has come to reside on the earth. Jesus is from the same spirit of creation, the spirit of God. That means God's spirit is no longer above us. It's no longer unreachable. It's right next to us and all around us. Now, just what does that really mean to the rest of us? It means that Jesus was born of the Spirit, the same Spirit of creation and the Spirit of God. And Jesus is the decisive revelation of what a life full of God looks like. Not what God looks like, but what a life who is full of God looks like. Radically centered and filled with God's Spirit. Jesus is the decisive disclosure of what can be seen of God in human life. His life demonstrates the character of God. 
That is so important. The, the Holy Spirit resides within Jesus. The significance for us was stated by Meister Eckhart, a 13th century mystic, theologian, and preacher, who spoke of the virgin birth as something that happens within us, meaning that the story of the virgin birth is the story of Christ being born or reborn within us through the union of the Spirit of God, same Spirit I've been talking about, and our hearts and our souls. Ultimately, the story of Jesus' birth is not just about the past. It's not just about the Christmas story we tell every single year. It is about the same birth that is within us at the present time, here, now. So the different view of, the, of Christmas for today is that the Spirit of God is an important part of the Christmas story. Specifically, the same Spirit that is active throughout history, including the creation of the world, is seen in the life of a human being now. Each one of us should strive to reveal that spirit that can, that can live within us. The Spirit of God in Jesus Christ. To obtain that wondrous gift, all we have to do is to humbly and honestly believe in it and ask God for it. Believe in it. And ask God for it. Then we, then we can and should strive to have the strength of Jesus to battle injustice of all types. While at the same time have the love to show compassion and forgiveness. In the coming weeks, we will look at the other views one may have of Christmas. Today it was the view from below. And how that view has changed by the coming of Jesus. Next, we will look for Christmas from the near side. And then we will look from the far side. And the final sermon will be from above. We honestly hope that these sermons will add in a meaningful way to the anticipation and expectation of this Advent season. More specifically, reach out, believe, and ask God for Jesus to be born within you. And more specifically, reach out and ask for the Spirit of God to come into you. And it will. Amen.